I'm Chip Freud, and this is the Artist Spotlight, conversations with contemporary artists based on five simple questions that explore the artist's journey, creativity, and sources of inspiration. Welcome to another episode of the Artist Spotlight. Today, we are joined by Ryan Fox, an award-winning watercolor artist based in North Carolina. Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Chip. It's great to be here. I'd like you to start off by just giving us a sense of uh, what is your current project you're working on, or if you've just finished something, what was that? Well, last month has been mainly about teaching classes. So I, I just finished um, teaching a class with Chief Joe's, a, a virtual class online, Loose and Fast Watercolor. I'm starting up again a lot of classes at Stratoma Arts Center in person since you know COVID restrictions are lifting. Uh, so I haven't actually worked on any personal projects myself for you know, about a month and a half or so, but I did a, a boutique workshop also in South Carolina recently. So my goal this week is just to finish all those, I call them my lost children paintings. I've started like 15 paintings. I haven't finished them. So I've got to knock some of those down a little bit. So just, I'm just trying to finish some of that work. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear there are, there are others that have unfinished projects lying around. Uh, as I've talked about before, this show is really all about our five questions. So without any further ado, let's roll into that. What is your earliest memory of making art of any kind? Oh, I was, I, I, I've always done art. Like I, you know, I remember just being in elementary school and art class was my favorite class. And uh, one of my earliest memories is my teacher chose me to do a project. We were doing Egyptian sarcophagus uh, drawings. And it ended up going down to the museum in downtown Denver. And I think that was maybe second or third grade. And I just, you know, I, I just, I always loved art. And I, again, that was my favorite class. And, you know, I was the kid in class when they should have been paying attention, was always drawing things out, you know, spaceships, blasting people, uh, you know, Conan, the barbarian, just, you know, all the Marvel characters. And that, that's, I was that kid in class. It wasn't paying attention to the teacher and was just drawing stuff. Okay. <clears throat> so little did they know where you would end up. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, your your current media is uh, is watercolor, but I don't think that's where you started. What what brought you to to watercolor? Well, it was I, I so I, I you know have an arts degree in drawing and painting, which is kind of misleading because I didn't take really many painting classes. I took one watercolor class, which I, I enjoyed. I thought it was a fun medium. I didn't think I was really going to do anything with it. I took an oil painting class, which I didn't like. And then I always took drawing classes. So I ended up doing photography without switching my major because there was no point. And, you know, I spent 10 years doing photography. So I used to shoot weddings to make a ton of money. And then I'd go travel a bunch. And I, what I really wanted to do was travel the world and take pictures. And so I've, I've had the luck to visit a lot of different countries and, you know, get all these great resource images. But I didn't realize that 10 years later, digital photography kind of killed the travel photography market. And, you know, I wasn't making much money doing that anymore because they could literally just hire somebody in Cambodia for 10 bucks a day to do the same thing I used to charge a, a decent amount for. Mm -hmm. So I realized that, well, I've got all these images. I enjoyed watercolor painting when my kids were young, you know, because they could, you know, if they were down in the crib for a couple hours, I thought, well, you know, watercolor would be a great medium to go back to because if I needed to put it away very quickly, I can, it wouldn't ruin my clothes. It wouldn't get all over everything. And I, you know, and that, that's all I've done for the last 10 years is just do watercolor painting. 
So I, you know, it was kind of like a roundabout. So I, I started, I did water crown college, didn't do any of it for 10 years. Then went back to it again in uh, 2011. All right. Um, but your photography still plays a role because they're the source images in many cases for your watercolors. Oh, always. Yes. Yes. Um, and you know, photography certainly helped me as a painter because it's always about composition. I was always thinking about color, whether it was the choice of film, uh, to the choice of filters, you know, but it, I, I tell people, I think it's actually a lot easier to be a, uh, a painter because as a photographer, you're, you're literally bound with what's there physically. You can do some work on Photoshop, but sometimes there's only so much you, you, you can change. Mm -hmm. But as a painter, I can take a photograph at any time of the day. I can make it a sunset scene later. I'm not literally, I'm not bound by what's there physically. So it's actually much easier because I can take just an average photograph and I know in my head that I can turn that into an absolutely beautiful painting by changing mm -hmm. the colors, changing the composition. Uh, it, it's actually, you know, a lot easier, I think. Interesting. I, as a fellow photographer, uh, I often have conversations with people about sort of the art side of it and people are immediately trying to compare photography with, with painting. And I actually say in the initial process, it's actually more akin to sculpting in that it is a reductive art. You've got to take things out of the frame that don't belong there. Just like the sculptor chips, the wood or the stone that doesn't belong mm -hmm. in the statue. Whereas uh, as it, any of the painting arts are, uh, additive, right? You start with a blank canvas and you keep adding until you have created what you want. So it, uh -huh. it, that that sort of uh, difference, I think, has is, is been interesting. Uh, uh, to your point, though, you know, as a, a painter, you can take what you saw in your mind's eye when you took the photo and make it come to life, regardless of what was physically there at the time. Yeah, and I think that's so, what's so much fun about it. And, you know, it's really interesting, too, because I, I'll, I'll take a resource image and I'll, I'll do a painting of it. And four years later, I'll go back to the same image and I'll create a completely different painting using the same resource image because I can mm -hmm. change the colors, I can change the techniques. So, you know, I, I can go back to these same images again over and over again and reinterpret them differently, which I think is really entertaining because the photograph, once you shoot it, it's pretty much it, it is what it is unless you do work on it digitally later on Photoshop or an image editing program. Oh, it's, it's very interesting. And in addition to, you know, different lights, different time of days, you're bringing a different self to it, right? You've had different experiences. Mm -hmm. So you're going to bring something else to that, to that creative process. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's fun. I mean, I, and I, you know, I have just, you know, behind me here in my studio, or this is my office at home. I have two filing cabinets of nothing but 35 millimeter slides. And there are slides which I, I can't even get to the bottom drawers right now. There are still slides I've never even touched that I photographed almost 20 years ago that you know, I've got to clean that out and get into there because like Tibet, for example, I don't have any paintings of Tibet. I was there 20 years ago. I've got a bunch of pictures. I'm going to have to get down into there and reinterpret them as I want to. But it, it, and, and of course, my other problem is that as a photographer turned, you know, artist, I keep taking more and more pictures with the intention of doing these paintings. So I just have just hard drives upon hard drives of images waiting to be painted. And I keep adding more to it instead of catching up. <laughs> well, you know, that's, I think, the nature of the beast. So, uh, which I guess is a nice segue to our next question. You know, what inspires your art? What, where, where does it come from for you? And, you know, and that's, uh, people ask me this all the time, and it can be as simple as just, you know, looking at 
Um, you know, like back in the day when I was a stay-at-home dad, when I was with my kids, I'd be reading, you know, books to my kids at night. And, I, you know, and children's books are fantastic illustrations. Lots of times they're done in watercolor. And I'd be looking at all these illustrations while I'm reading the books. And I would think, oh, I like that use of color. This is giving me inspiration for another painting. Now I have to find the image I want to use for it. So sometimes it's the use of color. Sometimes it's a certain technique that I see. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Instagram. So I can look at different pictures. I save all those pictures. And when I'm trying to think about what's going to happen for my next painting, I'll go through lots of these pictures or I've got lots of books at home also. I go through these until something strikes me. It could be a uh, composition. It could be color. It could be a technique. And when I find something that strikes me, then usually an image pops into my head and I'll say, hey, I'm going to go back. I'm going to paint this photograph in this manner. So it could come from almost anything, really. And I never, never seem to have a problem with you know, getting ideas for future paintings. The hardest part for me is just finding the time to sit down and actually fulfill those ideas mm. uh, and try to realize the, the, those ideas. Yeah, the the rest of the business of being an artist, as well as a, a father, and the rest of life, tend to sometimes get in the way of those things. It does, yeah. It makes it, it can make it difficult. Um, though I have to admit, COVID's been interesting because no one's been sick, you know, because nobody's no, none of the kids have really been in school until they've been vaccinated until recently. So, you know, I haven't had to deal with that lately. But we just were all stuck at home last year, which you know mm. was had an interesting set of challenges too. True. True. Well, I think you're in an interesting position to uh, provide some advice to artists uh, just starting out wherever they are in their life. You know, I was a late um, artist, if you will. Others have been doing it, you know, since childhood. But what advice would you give uh, to a, a st artist starting out on their career? Well, and, and this is something that I, I'm, I'm I, you know, I teach marketing classes on how to sell your work, uh, you know, because one of the things that I think that, you know, Artists hurt themselves the most because they don't necessarily value the work that goes into a painting. Uh, it doesn't matter if a painting takes you 45 minutes or not. You've also, you've also done this a thousand times before this, and that's why you can make a 45-minute painting. So, you know, with artists, lots of times, you've got to, you have to learn to price your artwork properly. You know, um, if you have gallery representation or if you have a studio place where people can come into it, that's fantastic. But that's literally just one place in a world of how many billion people. So, you know, if you want to be able to sell your work and, and market your artwork, you have to know how to get it out there. And that's one thing I'm always talking about. You know, don't sell it cheap. Digitize copies if you, if you can, if it's something that can be digitized. Uh, Three-dimensional work, of course, sometimes you can't do that. But you have to learn how to market yourself and be in a lot of different places at once. Because, you know, because not that many people are going to come into your studio on any given day usually. But, you know, if you're in all these different places, just a little bit here, a little bit there, it all kind of adds up together at the end of the year. Uh, and it gives you a decent amount of income and that gives you the ability to, to do the things you want. So that's, that's what I'm always working on. And, you know, it's not all about painting. There are sometimes weeks where I, I don't paint at all because I'm really just working on, you know, either workshops or marketing my artwork or getting pictures of my artwork for marketing. So it, it you know, that's the stuff I do in the morning. It's um, mm. you don't have to do it every single day, but that's what I do in the morning while I'm drinking my, my coffee. I do a couple hours of social media. I do my, all my internet marketing, I do my emails back and forth. And then at noon, what I can do is then I can go into the studio and I can actually create artwork. Hmm. So, so sort of segmenting life in saying, this is the business time and then this is the creative time. Yeah, and, and that can function differently for different people. I mean, you don't have to, 
you know, of course, do things in the morning. But but for me, that's what works because I don't want to spend a whole day in front of the computer. So I'll do several hours in the morning and then I try to get into the studio at about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and I can paint for three or four hours at that point in time. So it splits it up a little bit. Okay. I think that that's a good tip and one that um, I had not heard from any other artists so far. Uh, and another thing too about, you know, you know, if you're running this as a business, uh, you have to learn how to do, you know, proper business. You know, you have to register your business. You have to pay your taxes, of course. You've got to actually learn how to do, you know, all the mar- you know, all, all the actual business side of it. You know, so if you're if you're using your car as a business expense, right off your mileage. You know, if you're if you're taking these trips overseas to get photographs for paintings, write that off. Also, you can legally do that. Take the per diem per day that the U.S. government allows its employees, because that's usually going to be more money than you spend, and it's completely legal. So you, all these little things. So, you know, it's not just about being an artist. It's also about being, a, you know, it's running a business too. And, that, and that's one of the hard things because mm-hmm. sometimes I found over there, sometimes artists don't do both of those. And if you really want to run a business, you've, you've got to have somebody doing it for you or you have to learn how to do it the right way. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. And if you have somebody doing it for you, you're you're then paying them and that's taking money out of your pocket. But maybe that's the thing to do for you if that's, not a skill set you have. Right, right. And, and then, then if that happens, raise your prices a little bit, you know, <laughs> there you go. for that. So, yeah. All right. And that brings us to our final question. Uh, and that is, what artist would you have others go check out? I always like to have uh, recommendations of artists that uh, we should all take a look at. There, oh, there are so many good artists I can think of. Um, there's one gentleman whose work I think is just absolutely amazing. His name is John Salmonen, and it's S-A-L-M-I-N-E-N. And he's a, he's not a realistic watercolor painter. It's basically just abstract paintings. It's just section by section. But when you step back, it's these complex city scenes. He, he never changes his water. He blends all the colors together. I mean, they are absolutely just beautiful technical paintings. But you step back, they're just masterpieces almost of realistic abstraction that that represents mm. city scenes so his work is just i mean i've seen some of his paintings in person it's one of those things where i love them so much i can't afford them and i'm looking around to see if there's security cameras and how fast i can get out of there maybe with that thing in my hand uh i've never stolen one of his paintings of course but the thought has occurred to me because i want them i really want them that badly <laughs> wow that, uh, and I, you know i do have some original artwork now throughout the years i've started to collect some original artwork but yeah, his paintings are not cheap, and that's something I can afford quite yet. Well, you've got me intrigued. I definitely am going to go check out that work. Well, as we wrap on down here, thank you for your time, Ryan. Um, I know folks can check out your work at your website, rfoxphoto.com, uh, and I believe you've got a studio at Anchor Light as well. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah, and it's open by, uh, we're only open twice a year. We have several open houses on two Saturdays a year. Then we're also open by invitation appointment. So if you'd like to set up a time to come into the studio, uh, you're welcome to come in and do so. But just to set up an appointment time, I'm usually there by about 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock most days. So you're always welcome coming in to send me a text or an email. That'd be fantastic. I'd love to see you. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you again for being on the podcast. And for everyone else, this has been another episode of the Artist Spotlight. Tune in with us next time for another discussion with a contemporary artist, often here in North Carolina.
Thank you for joining us. This has been the Artist Spotlight with Chip Freund. Find accompanying blog posts at chipfreundphoto.com slash blog. And you may subscribe to our show on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like listening.